2: Rick Tittle!
3: Alrighty then, welcome back to, to why I them, welcome back to Sports with Rick Tittle. Nice to have you with us, wherever you are listening in this great land of ours. Bum, 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 bum and the caissons go rolling. Do you know what a caisson is? I think you do. 1-800-878-PLAY. Those are the things that bring up the cannons, but then they also can bring up caskets I think we should just spend three hours no we won't spend three hours on that your calls 1-800-878 play 1-800-878-7529 get in get heard what do you got what do you get come on in
4: 1-800-878-7529
3: we got director Maite Alberti for her new documentary The Eternal Mind that'll be in about 20 minutes we have actress Diane Franklin in the second hour you know her from Bill and Ted She has a new movie called Waking Nightmare. It's also the name of this show. And then uh, we have a producer and former Navy SEAL, Matt Paul. He's got a new movie called Breakwater. It's got Dermot Mulroney, who's been on this show. I had Dermot Mulroney on the show for a movie. I think it was called The Grey. There used to be a... Anyway, Uh, it was with Liam Neeson. And it was about wolves. And I can tell us now, but he goes, yeah, my character, I get killed by the wolves and they just took my clothes and they filled this dummy full of meat and the wolves ate it. I go, I I guess I don't have to see the movie now. And he goes, ha-ha. I'm like, no, I'm serious. (laughs) He just told me you die. Uh, Twitch.tv, also Tiddling Sports with Rick Tittle. You can go there, click Listen Live. Any emails, rick at sportsbyline.com and uh, 1-800-878-PLAY that's the main thing to know 1-800-878-7529 the number to call to talk some sports come on back y'all
5: hey y'all my name is Tiara and a little thing that I love about the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken biscuit is that it has the perfect amount of spice to jumpstart my day whoever thought of it thank you so much
4: Hi, my name is Robert, and a little thing I love about chick fil a Spicy Chicken Biscuit is the biscuit. It reminds me of my grandma's homemade biscuit. It's always buttery and savory. Then you add the spices, instant classic.
5: Order the Spicy Chicken Biscuit on the Chick-fil-A app today. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials.
1: That's 800-211-6008.
7: Titillating
2: sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he's So handsome. He's a genius.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Great to have you with us. Coming up the next segment, we'll bring in the uh, Brazilian director. That's right. Um, there was a uh, headline you might have seen in sports that umpire, Major League Umpire Angel Hernandez, had his appeal rejected by a U.S. Federal Court judge. Because this was something that began in 2017 that he sued Major League Baseball for racial discrimination. Um, This is a guy who has been an umpire for 20 years. But the last time he got to work in a World Series was 2005. And Joe Torre was the guy who was assigning umpires uh, at that point. And Tory's uh, stance on uh, Hernandez, if he wanted to be a crew chief, was that he, quote, needed to gain greater mastery of the official playing rules and replay regulations and continue to improve situation management and display an ability to refocus and move forward after missing calls or receiving constructive feedback from the office. In other words, you're not very good and you got a bad attitude. But Hernandez said, no, it's because I'm Latin American. I was born in Cuba, and this is racism. The uh, the, the circuit judge, they unanimously ruled 3-0. This judge, Paul Oatkin, said, Hernandez's handful of cherry-picked examples does not reliably establish a systematic effort on MLB's part to artificially deflate Hernandez's evaluations, much less an effort to do so In order to cover up discrimination, the evidence shows beyond genuine dispute that an umpire's leadership and situation management carried the day in MLB promotion decisions. Said the district court also failed um, to give, uh, well this is Hernandez's appeal, so the district court failed to give an appropriate weight to evidences of MLB's disparate treatment of Mr. Hernandez. And other minority umpires. Um, just, just to go back, Angel Hernandez has been recognized for many years as by far the worst umpire in Major League Baseball. And you might remember the 2018 AL Divisional Series between the Yankees and the Red Sox and Hernandez was the first base umpire in the playoffs and He had three calls overturned at first base. Now, I know they're bang-bang plays. Three calls overturned. He also gets under the skin. A lot of managers and players, it happens. But for me, no one will remember this unless you're an A's fan. This is back 2012, 2014, somewhere in there. The A's were at the Jake, and Adam Rasauce hit a home run. And it went above the fence, and there's a railing to keep the fans from... There's the yellow line, and then there's a railing. And it showed a fan reach for it, pull back, and then it hit the middle bar of the railing and rocketed back on the field. It was about three feet above the yellow line. Now, back then, it didn't go to Secaucus, but that was when replay was new. And so Hernandez put on the headset and said, not a home run, off the wall, double, double. Even though slow-motion replay (laughs) showed the fan recoil because he was going to get hit. Why would he recoil if it's below the yellow line? It hit the guardrail like three feet above the yellow line and came back on the field. He's just not good. I don't want to call him dumb, but Kerwin Danley is a crew chief. He's black. Alfonso Marquez is a crew chief. He's not even American-born Latino. Richie Garcia was a crew chief back in the 80s. If there were no, quote-unquote, minority, say now people of color, you can't say, be very good. Colored is bad, but people of color is okay. I'm going to see in 10 years if what switches. But the other thing is, and I don't experience this as a white guy. But I have had friends who think they're being treated racistly when I don't think they are. Like, we're going to a restaurant and say, that waitress hates me because I'm whatever. You know, Filipino, black, Mexican. And I'm like, I don't know. She's just rude. But that's the thing, is that I don't question it. And a lot of times, people who aren't white have every right To ask themselves, am I being treated poorly because of the color of my skin? You know, it's funny. The other day I was in a restaurant wearing the Stone Foxes shirt, which I'm wearing right now. You can see it on Twitch.tv. Shannon Kaler, former KMBR intern, big Tittle fan, came in, left me tickets to his show. He's the lead singer. They're actually a pretty good band. So I'm at the Great American Music Hall. But their logo is an eagle even though they're the stone foxes and it's got all these different colors it kind of looks like a rainbow and if you weren't looking you'd probably say it's an LGBTQ plus shirt but I, I'm not I wear it I don't care but I was in a restaurant and this old lady was just scowling at me and I thought what did I do and then I thought oh it's my shirt she just hates gay people because I, like, I guess she thought I was gay and I thought alright watch well, two too bad people get treated like that you know, but all the times it was like, ah, oh, they're so racist, they're so racist. I'm like, I think that guy's just a jerk. But, and that's the thing. So, <clears throat> I know a guy who was using the company car at his insurance company that he worked for. He's a Mexican American guy. I know him, and one night he had the car after work hours. He got drunk and he wrecked the car, and they said you're fired. And he said to his boss. He's like, I deserve it. I wasn't supposed to have the car and I got drunk and I wrecked it. And so he was unemployed. And then a lawyer came to him and said, well, you're Latino, right? And he said, yeah. And he goes, this is racism. And so they fire, they they filed a lawsuit saying that he got fired because he wasn't white. And the insurance company was so panicked, they settled for with six figures. And he said, you know, I basically stole this money. And it just shows you how panicked a lot of companies are. They just think, oh, this guy was fired because he was Latino. Ah, go away. Here's 300K. Go away. And so my point is, is that if you're not white, you have every right to question if you're being treated, treated in a racist manner. But I'm going to go ahead and say it, even though I'm not Joe Torre, an Italian-American. I'm going to say he wasn't treated racistly or in a racist manner because he stinks. (laughs) That's nothing to do with him being born in Cuba, white, black, green. Angel Hernandez stinks. That's why it's supposed to be a meritocracy. So whether he truly believed it or he was like that guy I know and just thought, let's try it, see what happens. And then MLB comes back, look, black guy, Latino, Latino, all crew chiefs, all work in the World Series, and then the judges are like, oh, yeah. In fact, we have found nothing that's racist. The judge said Hernandez has made no showing that Tory harbors a bias against racial minorities. And I'm not saying that Joe Tory does or doesn't, but this was not proven in any way, shape, or form. So, um, like I said, it's one thing to go ahead and try these lawsuits, but you better be able to prove it. And MLB did not run away scared. MLB was like, uh, no, we're actually not when it comes to our umpires. All right, we will take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about a very interesting documentary on the other side.
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We're waiting on our guest. <clears throat> and when we get our guest, we will we'll put her on the air. Till that time, lines are available at 1-800-878-PLAY. Let me tell you a little something. About a guy named Zach Geloff. Geloff, Geloff, he owns me money. He's a uh, he was the Ace uh, number three prospect when he was called up the same day as Tyler Soderstrom. and he's gotten off to a very good start. but in his first 25 big league games, guess what he has done. He is the first player since 1900 not just for the a's any player with eight home runs and six steals no one else has done that think about guys with power and speed ken seiko andrew jones juan soto i mean it's just Shohei showy otani i mean that's astounding this is for a second baseman too 25 games Eight home runs, 13 RBI, six steals, a 9.78 OPS. He had another clutch RBI double against the Cardinals. He has uh, 17 games in which he has at least one extra base hit. 17 games. Now, of course, the A's lost again. But... One of the cool things is, too, is that we also saw the very first Major League home run of uh, Lawrence Butler, which was great. And Tony Kemp, for all his uh, hitting stinkiness, made an amazing double play. He was coming down left field line, caught the ball, and on the run, threw back to third and doubled the guy up. It was pretty great. All right. We are very happy to be joined on the line with Academy Award-winning nominated filmmaker Maite Alberti from Chile. And she's here to talk about her very interesting documentary called The Eternal Memory from MTV Documentary Films. And uh, it is going to be here in the Bay Area on Friday in San Francisco, San Rafael, Berkeley, also up in Sebastopol in Sonoma County. Maite, welcome to the show. We appreciate it. This is a very um, touching uh, love story, isn't it?
12: Thank you very much. Yes, it's a very unique love story. Uh, of a couple that he got Alzheimer very young. But I think it's not a film about Alzheimer. It's a film about how to be a couple with desire and love until the end.
3: What was the genesis behind this project? What drew, to you, drew you to this couple?
12: Well, this couple is very famous in Chile. She was Minister of Culture and a, an important actress and he is a very well-known journalist, and I know them from all my life, but uh, I I have to work in a university and I saw them in a work context when he already has Alzheimer. And it was so weird for me to see a couple that was in love and a decision of a wife of take him to the job and integrate him to society in his alzheimer and to do not isolate him that it, that was very uh engaged to me at the beginning and it's it's from that moment i realized that i have been i i saw a love story that i have never seen before in one minute
3: also there's humor in this as well it's some very tender humorous moments correct
12: yeah, the tone of the film—it's—it has all the feelings I think, but they have a lot of humor. They never get the stressed. Like it's—it's it's a lesson of how you can live with uh, illness because yeah, they are—they are very, almost all the time, very happy with each other. Yeah.
3: By the way, I have to ask if you are a football fan. Are you? colo colo or club universidad or coquimbo unido what's your team
12: <laughs> me uh universidad de chile Augusto, the main character of the film colo colo and even in the worst moment he never forgot his soccer team why <sighs> your question
3: <laughs> 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 yeah well colo colo was a uh, native american hero wasn't he uh, yeah uh, Latin America yes yeah um take me through your your uh, the the mole agent as I said you got nominated for an Oscar the first woman from Chile what was that like to go from Santiago to to Hollywood for that
12: <laughs> yeah it was very special because for a Latin American filmmaker it's not a dream to go to the Oscar because it's not in your realistic possibilities I think that for filmmakers, of the U.S., it's like a kind of automatic goal for us. It's not, and yeah, it was was unbelievable because like the the film was so universal that we didn't realize at the beginning the big impact that that it it was going to have and. And I have been trying to build an an international career for the beginning. So yeah, it was a special, unique, and unexpected. I think even if we work for it, uh, yeah, you never really expect about that. Yeah,
3: right. What is it like when you're teaching? Uh, at the Pontificial and you have all these Mm -hmm, students there trying to learn documentaries. What are some of the first things you tell those young students there?
12: I told you, you know all my career. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You really know. Yeah, with the students, I, I like to be a filmmaker and teach. It's because I think that teaching is a rehearsal for me of creative because I have to be thinking in how to help them to create. So it's a personal exercise at the end. And what I always said, it's like, I think that cinema students have to feel which is their zone of comfort or how they feel comfortable in general. Like, I always felt comfortable making documentaries and for me it's weird the relationship with fiction. So first of all, I think that it's, or in in the world of documentaries there are many ways to make documentaries i make observational but but you can do interviews you can do archives it's also to find which place is your way or your place and i always say that you have to be patient if you don't have patience you cannot be a documentary filmmaker because it always take time you're never going to get the scenes that you want the the day that you wanted like So you have to have time and patience, and that it's difficult in the cinema world.
3: One more question for you. I know it was important to Augusto Gongora that people remember the atrocities of Pinochet. And that's something that with Alzheimer's, he wanted to make sure that that stayed out there even as his memory was going, right?
12: Yeah, he... I, I I said that the Eternal Memory is a film that show us like how the the body always remember some stuff, and I there are a lot of things, historical things that he never forget. One of them is dictatorship and the front that he lost. So yeah, I think that Alzheimer and dictatorship are in a way lessons of that we don't control our life and and he has to live that and and he was very conscious until the end about that yeah
3: and then finally taking this to sundance is an honor but then you win the best documentary i mean how rewarding is that
12: yeah it was very unexpected too because there are so good international and amazing international documentaries, and um, yeah, it's the same. I think that you don't go to a festival to uh, trying to get prices; it's to get to the audience, and um, and the price, of course, helped us to arrive to more audience, and um, yeah, it was was very important for us.
3: It's called the Eternal Memory. Directed by our guest, Maite Alberde, This is from MTV Documentary Films. It opens Friday at the Landmark here in the city, at the Rafael in San Rafael, at the Rialto in Elmwood. That's over there on College Ave in Berkeley, and Rialto Cinema's Sebastopol. Maite, congratulations on the film, and uh, thanks for coming by.
12: Thank you very much.
3: No problem. Yeah, Alzheimer's is rough, man. And uh, when my dad, before he passed away, he had, uh, he didn't have Alzheimer's, but he had dementia. And the short-term memory just wasn't there. Like, he's like, what's this food? I'm like, you ordered it. And he's like, I did. But then he would remember something from the 50s when he was in the Navy. You know, it's just, it's its sad, but it's weird how that works sometimes when your synapses are firing willy-nilly. All right, let's take a break. Come back with some sports talk. one eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play Oh
13: yeah The big stuff
14: I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation in a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem, Eliquis, Apixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines, such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at Eliquis.com or call 1-855-ELIQUIS.
13: If you're moving to another state, you're getting a fresh start in a brand new town. And when you choose a moving company to help get your valuable possessions to that new home of yours, you want somebody that's going to take care of your things like you would. That's why you need to call Colonial Van Lines. They're America's number one moving company for a reason. Because they'll take care of your things like they would their possessions. They'll use caution so nothing gets damaged. And they won't treat you like a number. They'll treat you like a friend. Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
1: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225.
7: Attention homeowners. It's not if something's going to break, it's when. That's homeownership. If your dryer, your refrigerator, or your AC and heating breaks, that's an expensive call. And who do you call? Make it easy on yourself and call Choice Home Warranty. We've already done the research and have access to 25,000 technicians that can be at your home quickly. We've covered close to 2 million homes in the United States. There's a good chance your neighbors work with us. Call us right now before the next breakdown. We'll tell you everything that's covered in your home and give you the first month free with our ironclad 30-day money-back guarantee. Call now and learn how to get your free month. 800-392-7027. 800-392-7027.
1: 392 7027 That's 800-392-7027. Limitations and exclusions apply. First month free
14: with purchase of single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
11: You must be crazy. You's a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: This is what had happened. Welcome back to this show. Rick Tittle. with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. We got open lines. We got Dan Franklin coming in in an hour from now. You might remember her. He probably had a crush on her in the 80s. Very uh, cute actress, still going strong. Got a new movie. How dare you call her cute? How dare you objectify her? Sorry, she's really talented. I didn't notice if she how she looked one way or the other. Um, if you don't know what happened with Australia and England at uh, three a.m. Um, and you taped it, turn away for a second. Okay. Uh, England beat Australia 3-1, to one. and uh, I watched the highlights this morning, and uh, England looks to be storming to their first World Cup title. They'll be taking on Spain, unfortunately, in the middle of the night again, which is Stinky Poopy. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but speaking of Stinky Poopy, ha-ha, our good buddy in Hell's Kitchen, Charlie, what is up?
16: Well, speaking of stinky poopy, Angel Hernandez, you every you elicited a reaction out of me because I do remember that infamous highlight uh, non home run by one Rosales yeah. against Cleveland. Uh, I I was because why? All right, let me. I'm fumbling over my words. Why is he allowed to still be an umpire if he is that bad? is it a union thing? Is it tenure? Is it are they just protected? Because he's he's I mean, people who don't even know baseball know he's terrible. Yeah. So like why why does he still have a job?
3: I think what it is, it's it's one of those things where you protect your own and so they sort of feel like if we scrutinize on one guy, that's just going to open the door on everybody or it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, this is our brother and he's an idiot, but he's our brother and we're going to protect him. I don't know. I just think they don't want to open the door on having umpires being able to be held accountable.
16: But then he should never umpire a playoff game ever again or unless his rating Right, you know, unless I don't know how they how they grade. Well, remember like, that game I'm I was sure talking
3: about where he got three calls wrong in the playoffs, and yeah. it, it, it looked like he wasn't even looking at the bag. He would just kind of go out, <laughs> out, and they're like, "Did you even look?"
16: Yeah, is he doing it intentionally? Almost like I, yeah, he, I, uh, yeah, I can't stand him. Uh, A's are they going to get? Are they going to? I think they're going to get to 100 losses before they get to 40 wins.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we just need 41 wins, right? Or right, 40, I know, 41, just, or 43? I forgot what it is. One of
16: those. I think. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I think they're going to have 100 losses and still have 30 less than 40 wins, and then they would have to win a handful of games in their last 20, which is yeah, not necessarily. You know that's not necessarily happening. Um, uh, yeah, I, I know you get excited about certain individuals on the team that they're bringing up. I, I just look at the overall landscape, and I just mm-hmm. I, I I can't get excited about any anything until you know I don't, until right. something happens. I mean, uh, you know, like why is Tony Kemp still on this team? <laughs> why is he batting leadoff? <laughs> He's bat- I, you know he a great play. I saw the highlights. Yeah. Why is he? Why is he leading off? Like what? Like like why didn't? Why didn't they? Unless they couldn't. Why didn't they trade May at the trading? Or unless he came back after the trading deadline? No,
3: he was healthy. He had like ten out of eleven saves at the trading deadline.
16: Yeah, but what he did against Washington erased any any good he did. Any positive this season that that, that should that should that, should, uh, that that's that's mm-hmm. a stain well, for the year. Let me
3: just tell you this: that, you know we, we know that they're trying to lose on purpose with all these youngsters and lame old men, right? Alemdiz Diaz, Tony Kemp, those guys—they are last in batting average as a team, two twenty-two, and they are last in ERA with a staff five eight zero. So they're the worst hitting right. team and the worst pitching team. It's
16: it's. I, 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 uh, you know, when I look online, I sometimes will go to the Bleacher Report, A's page, and then some guy showed the lineup for the A's. He says, this was our lineup only a few years ago, and it had, uh, you know, Olsen, Chapman, uh, Simeon, Murphy, uh, Ken, Murphy. Uh, I think they had Franklin Barreto in the lineup. Whatever happened to that dude, Barreto? Was he just not? He just didn't.
3: He was uh, such a, was supposed to be the guy when they the Toronto yeah. got him out of Toronto. Uh, yeah, and there's the Donaldson trade, and he didn't work out.
16: He wasn't that guy. But I mean, they showed the lineup. Just he says, "This is what we had a few years ago, and now this is what we have." And I just. Uh, like I said, every time you have that guy uh, J D. Sharp come on and, and wax poetic about metals, <laughs> I I I I, cr- I get angry. Like I uh, th- right around that time, I'm walking my dogs, and I'm I like, well, because I blend into the city, I'm like, scream! I scream because <laughs> he's he's going to set. Uh, I can't believe they traded him. I am so. That trade is going to set this franchise back a decade. I am so angry they traded him. I am, I am, if I think about I'm a 55-year-old man, and I'm losing my S over him being traded because I, I now watch a little of, I get TBS and I'll watch some of the Braves games. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I, uh, it just makes me sick.
3: Once again, that- Matt Olson oh. traded for Christian Pache, who's now a Philly. God. Shea Langoliers, who hits 200. And then Joey Estes and Ryan Kusick.
16: Who? Who? (laughs) All right. All right. Great. Um, I'm now rooting for the Atlanta Athletics. (laughs) At least for the remainder of this season.
3: Well, as far as walking down the street screaming at people, you're in the right place.
16: No, that's what I said. I blended right in. Yeah, you fit in. I blended right right in. Hey, thanks for the call. See you
3: later. All right. And we will have J.D. Sharp coming in in about an hour and a half. Damrick, how long is this show? I know it's too long. Uh, but is it too long? Sorry. An interesting little thing that came out before England beat Australia, and this would probably be a big deal if England had lost. But there's a s there was a spygate controversy. Huh? The Daily Telegraph, which is a tabloid newspaper in Australia. They flew a helicopter over England's closed practice session, took pictures and then published them online this morning or yesterday morning. Sorry. gotta get my days right. They're a day ahead. The pictures don't really show anything, but it was taken on a day when media wasn't allowed. And here's the thing. Under the uh, picture, it said, Welcome to the Jungle, Lionesses. That's what England calls their team because the three lions are the Danish logo that the English national team uses. Anyway, Welcome to the Jungle, Lionesses. If England's Lionesses thought they would happily fly into Wednesday night's World Cup semifinal under the radar direct from their secret Central Coast hideaway, then they were in for a rude shock as these exclusive images show. It might not be in the spirit of football, but after last month's Ashes cricket series, we will let the moral arbiters England pass judgment on what is and wasn't, what isn't acceptable in the world of sport. The Ashes, by the way, is the big cricket versus England uh, test cricket, by the way, which is when you go days and days and days. Yeah. How long is this game going to last? Three hours? Uh, Three days. Maybe more.
15: But there'll be a tea break.
3: Playing in the hot sun with big gobs of white sunblock on your nose and then having a tea break. Nothing like hot tea on a hot day, boiling day. But this is what I can tell you about taking pictures of a soccer practice. You have almost no chance of getting any intel. The only thing I could think you could possibly see are some tricky set pieces. In other words, free kick outside the box. They have somebody who's playing on the short side, not in front of the goal. You roll it to that person. Someone peels out of the wall, goes far post. You chip it over there for a header. Or it would be somebody in the wall, grabs the elbow of someone in the wall, peels them out ducks, and then the ball goes over there. Or you see a guy left-footed line up for an in-swinger on the near post, but goes far post and keeps practicing that over and over and over again and say, if this this girl's going to line up, she's going to go here. Still, you don't know. It's not like watching football and you can see what plays are going to be run. You know, it, it would be sort of like, <laughs> it's more or less like taping baseball. You guys, I was in a helicopter. Yeah, what can you tell us? When the ball gets hits to the shortstop with no one on base, he throws to first. He throws to second? He throws to first. That's where the force is. Oh, all right. Thanks for flying over. You know, we had, of course, Spygate was now 15, 16 years ago, 2007. New England. New England. But we had this a little bit this summer when Carlos Alcaraz's father got out his phone and was filming Novak Djokovic's training session. And then Alcaraz won the final. And Alcaraz said, my dad is a huge Djokovic fan, and everybody else was doing it. (laughs) What could you possibly find out watching a guy hit tennis balls? He's got a secret kick serve. He does? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'll be ready for it then. Yeah. He lines up like this when he does the kick serve. Okay. Got it. So, um, by the way, the Daily Telegraph, this is from a University of Canberra, as we say Canberra. University of Canberra news report said, the Daily Telegraph is the second least trusted newspaper in Australia. Well, as I said, it's a tabloid. It's trying to stir stuff up. But this is the thing you got to understand about England and I guess in Australia. If you want serious sports coverage, you get it in tabloids. They're called red toppers because as you pick them up, um, they have a big red sort of uh, masthead. And it's news of the world. It's the sun. It's the Daily Mirror. And then there's always a page three girl. And it's a girl with her boobs hanging out. Page three is a topless girl in all three of those newspapers. That's just Europe for you, by the way. I remember when I was a kid, I was 14. I got off the plane in Frankfurt and it said, you know, subway this way, rental cars this way, luggage this way, sex, and then boobs like you would draw them this way. It was the government run whorehouse at the airport. Sawing these businessmen walking in before they went home to their wives. Ew, (laughs) gnarly but I remember I got to Paris one time, I turned on regular TV with an antenna and it was porn. I'm like, I'm just so, you know, I'm, I'm come from America where we had, you know, if you took off your top, you were burned as a witch. It's a little bit different here. All right. On that happy note, <laughs> come on back on Sports byline.
1: That's 800-788-1495.
5: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter, if you've got the TV volume way, way up then you really need these. These tiny but powerful little hearing aids are the Nano CIC Rechargeable, priced at only $297 for a full pair. And no, these are not simply amplifiers. These are ultra high quality, ultra reliable hearing aids, priced thousands less than other hearing aids. They fit right in your ear. Nothing shows on the back of your ear and at only $297 for a full pair. When you order today, Nano will give you a 45 day money back guarantee. Order right now and Nano will give you a free portable charging case, and even ship them to you for free. Here's the number. Call now.
1: 800-278-1738, 800-278-1738, 800-278-1738, that's 800-278-1738.
18: Now you see that evil will always triumph, because good is dumb.
11: Tittle always goes commando.
3: Thank you for that. A couple minutes left in hour number one of three. Diane Franklin in the next hour. DeMarcus Ware is now in the Hall of Fame Had the ceremony recently, and his bust actually kind of looks like him. It might be a first for the Hall of Fame. But that's the thing. You don't go in wearing a helmet. It's like, what helmets are he going to wear? This, this isn't baseball. It's just your bust. And then behind you, they put stuff from your teams. It killed me when I went to the Hall of Fame in 1986, and I saw Willie Brown, and there was a Bronco logo behind him. I guess he did start there. A lot of Raider stuff. But DeMarcus Ware, behind his bust, is a Broncos jersey and a Troy State helmet. And Cowboy fans are pissed that there's no Cowboy helmet or Cowboy jersey. There is a football at the bottom that says Cowboys all-time sack leader. So (laughs) here's the thing. He played nine years with the Cowboys and then three with the Broncos, just that he won Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos. And so in his career with the Cowboys, as I said, he's the all-time sacks leader, 117 sacks with the Broncos, 21 and a half sacks. So Cowboy fans are pissed that it's a Bronco jersey and a Troy helmet and not theirs. I can think of other things to get upset about, but I do understand. He only played three years there, but he did win the superb Owl. By the way, in that Super Bowl, I think he had two and a half sacks. and two. F- he and Von Miller basically just destroyed Cam Newton that whole game. I know because I was there with a big frown. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
19: News. I'm Cory Myers. Former President Trump and the 18 other defendants indicted Monday by a Georgia grand jury in alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election will reportedly be booked at the Fulton County Jail. Officials say they expect all 19 will be processed and fingerprinted and defendants can turn themselves in at any time. Trump's team has not yet disclosed his plans regarding booking or arraignment. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen admitting she ate hallucinogenic mushrooms during her recent visit to China.
20: In an interview with CNN, she clarified that she ate the mushrooms as part of a dish at a well-liked Chinese restaurant. But unbeknownst to her at the moment, they were hallucinogenic mushrooms in that dish.
19: If the mushrooms are cooked properly, which I'm sure they were at this very good restaurant, that they have no impact. But all of us enjoyed the mushrooms, the restaurant, and none of us felt felt any ill effects um, from having eaten them.
20: Yellen was in China in early July meeting with Chinese officials. I'm John Schaefer.
19: Hawaii Governor Josh Green says the death toll from wildfires in his state now at 106. Only a handful of those known dead have been identified, with investigators gathering DNA profiles of more than a dozen people. Green says over a thousand first responders from around the world are helping out. The mother of a six-year-old who shot his teacher in Virginia is pleading guilty to a state charge of felony child neglect. Deja Taylor's son shot teacher Abigail Zwerner at school earlier this year, putting her in the hospital with wounds to her hand and chest. Taylor's sentencing on federal gun charges and the newest state charge will both take place in October. This is USA News.
5: Hey y'all, my name is Sierra, and a little thing that I love about the Chick-fil-A Spicy Chicken Biscuit is that it has the perfect amount of spice to jumpstart my day. Whoever thought of it, thank you so much.
4: Hi, my name is Robert, and a little thing I love about Chick-fil-A Spicy Chicken Biscuit is the biscuit. It reminds me of my grandma's homemade biscuit. It's always buttery and savory. Then you add the spices, instant classic.
19: Order the Spicy Chicken Biscuit on
5: the Chick-fil-A app today. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials.
15: Keeping your kids safe is a full-time job, whether it's putting on outlet covers, installing child gates, or gluing down your priceless face. So Duracell made one part of childproofing simple. Our lithium coin batteries are the only ones coated in a non-toxic bitterant to help discourage swallowing. Your kid is safer, and you've got one less thing to worry about. Or glue down. Duracell, engineered for more. Available in 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes.
19: The McConaughey's are teaming up with Baby to Baby to provide support on the ground. Matthew McConaughey and his son Levi spreading the word about their efforts to help Hawaiians in need. The father and son took to Instagram in a video yesterday as news from the devastating wildfires in Maui continues to trickle in, sharing their intent to provide support and asking for your help.
20: So if you'd like to help. Um, Check out Baby to Baby. See the work they're doing. Or any other way you can help. There's a lot of help that's needed.
19: Yeah, they're going to need it for the long term. So any way you guys can help, it's appreciated. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Just keep living. Thanks, guys.
19: YouTube updating its medical misinformation guidelines. It's removing content that the company says promotes harmful or ineffective cancer treatments or discourages viewers from getting professional medical help. YouTube plans to promote cancer-related content from authoritative sources like the Mayo Clinic. Amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the platform removed more than one million videos it deemed as misinformation. For the first time ever, television accounts for less than half of Americans' viewing time. According to Nielsen, traditional cable and broadcast TV made up less than half of all TV watching at just 49.6% combined. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
22: Rick Tittle
8: knows his sports.
22: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh,
5: he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, I knew that the <clears throat> 49ers were investing in Leeds United Everybody in America is getting in. I was talking about that yesterday. Tom Brady with Birmingham City, lower division. Burnley back in the top flight. J.J. Watt is part of that. Stan Kroenke with Arsenal. The Glazers have been with Man United a long time. The Learners came in and bought Aston Villa. Crystal Palace, American owner. I mean, it's just the Americans are coming in. But what I didn't know was <laughs> that Leeds United has a new chairman and his name is Parag Marate sent this to Dominic yesterday he was like what I sent this to my buddy who's the biggest Niner fan ever and he said that dirty jackass has no business running a soccer team Um, I wouldn't call him a dirty jackass but I would say he has no business running a soccer team if you want to go ahead and be the accountant you know if you want to take care of finances you're qualified but just because you went to Harvard and you're the capologist for the DeBartolo-York family, what the hell do you know about soccer? Nothing. And so <laughs> it's just crazy. that. But this is what happens. You buy a team and you can put your guy in charge. You know, Billy Bean forever is like, I, I, I want to go to Holland and, and run a soccer team. AZ Alkmar. That's what I want to do. And And then people are like, oh, he was the guy with Moneyball. Do you know why that Moneyball team was good? They had Cy Young Award winner uh, Barry Zito. They had Mark Mulder. They had Tim Hudson. They're all all all-stars. And they had the American League MVP, Miguel Tejada, and the American League MVP the year before, Jason Giambi. None of those guys were mentioned. Jeremy was mentioned. But he acts like it was just, oh, Scott Hatterberg's playing first base. David Justice is buying in. All this stuff was conveniently left out, right? That they had the best pitching rotation and a couple of MVPs. Don't let that ruin a good story. All right, Pawrog. Have fun over there in Yorkshire. I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back.
0: Right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. That's 800-965-1295.
18: Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you.
3: Hey, check me out. Thank you for that. Hour two underway. Diane Franklin, eighties acting icon. We already got one question on the Twitter that I'm going to ask her from the fans. If you want me to ask her something, uh, Rick at sports or at Rick Tittle on Twitter. one 800, eight, seven, eight play. I was looking at some of the, uh, can we call it a trend in MLB and I was looking at how bad the, the A's played defense, <laughs> which is badly. Um, but around the league, errors have been going down. And is it the official scorers? I think it's it's curious because balls that look like clear errors – are being scored as hits, game after game, night after night. And there was this uh, extraordinary play I saw the other day. The Brave shortstop, Orlando Arcia, uh, had a ball hit to him, 77 miles per hour off the bat. This was uh, at Pittsburgh. And... It went right to him, and he put his glove down, and it went under his glove. And it was a hit. Huh? Yeah. And if you go back five years, for both teams, like during a game combined, 1.2 errors per game, now it's one error per game. So that turns 437 errors into hits, believe it or not. Fewer errors equals fewer unearned runs. And keep in mind, not every error leads to a run. And sometimes one error can lead to many runs. It's not simple math. But a popular theory now is that MLB has directed official scorers to rule 50-50 balls hits to inflate the league batting average at a time when MLB... Has intended to do exactly that. <clears throat> what do you mean, Rick? All right, how about three rule changes infield shifts, no more. Pitch timer. No, uh, we're going to check your fingers for substances. Now, MLB says there's been no such directive, obviously. And they want uniform to be scoring, but as I just mentioned, the A's are hitting 222 even with this theory. <laughs> But there were so many times where when I was, you know, for years, especially home games, if I was doing Ace Pre and Post, I would sit there in my little GM box. The GM would usually leave, and then I'd move in. I was my own engineer, mom and pop shop. Oh, you couldn't just hold the mic. You had to do everything. But I would sit there, and I would watch. Balls hit, especially at a time when Josh Donaldson was regarded as the best defensive third baseman. And then the A's got another guy a little bit after that, uh, first-round pick named Matt Chapman, you might remember, and then he was regarded because he was a platinum glove winner. But let me just go back to Donaldson. Anytime he messed up, it was a hit. And I remember in the, my postgame show, I went on a tirade because he had two errors on one play. He booted it, and then he, got, he picked the ball up, and then he threw to the wrong bag. And I said, that's two errors. Because I remember when Bob Brantley got three errors on one play when he was playing third base for the Giants. He was a catcher who shouldn't have been at third base. He got three errors on one play. They don't do that anymore. And then another one just went right through his legs, and they're like, well, it was hard hit. And I remember talking to a broadcaster, not Ken Korak, but talk to a broadcaster, and then he's like, You know, I heard you on the post game, and you said that the, I think it was Simeon, that that was an error, but you're not taking into account how fast the guy's running. And I'm like, You're right. And you know what? I never will. The ball is hit to you, and then you boot it. It has nothing to do with how. Now, if you run as a shortstop, deep in the hole into shallow left, and you turn around, and unless you're Brandon Crawford or Derek Jeter, you're not going to make that throw. And then, yeah, the guy's too fast. Give him a hit. Good try, shortstop. But when a ball is hit right to you and you boot it, what does that got to do with how fast the guy is? Well, what it does is, like, you boot it. Oh, no, I'm going to run over and pick it up. Ah, too bad it's not a catcher. If it was Benji Molina, he would have been out. Well, that's on you for the boot. That's not on how fast the guy's running. But I would be a black heart with it. I'm not a pitcher, but I would be on the pitcher's side. You know, in high school, you might say, well, good try, kid. And that's the thing. I've seen a lot of pioneer baseball last couple years in Idaho and Colorado over the summers, last four summers. And it is maddening at times. And I got to remember, I go, this is indie ball. I can't expect great things. It's still professional baseball. So for the most part, they're okay. And everybody hits 360 in that league because no one can pitch. Um, but I have to remind myself. But I, I don't do that in the Major League Baseball. Look, they are people and they'll drop balls sometimes. <clears throat> Jack Cust. Mark Hanna had one of the worst drops I've ever seen in left field. He just parked on it, put his glove up off the hill, took his eye off it. It happens. People are people, so why should it be? But this whole directive now, and I used to talk to official scorers. In fact, I had one, Dave Feldman, on my show. And he did my pregame show with me and I, I I brought up all these things. Now back then there was no pitch clock and the, no, you know, anti shift and everything else. But I brought up and, and he he was very fair. He's like, you know, I, I, I think of the pitchers, I think of the defensive guy, I think of the hitters. I gotta I gotta take it all into account. And it's a split second decision. And, and a lot of times during the break, a broadcaster will go over or a team official tap the guy on the shoulder and say, I think you should reconsider that. How many times have you watched a game? <clears throat> well, they'll say, hey, it's the eighth. Back in the third, that double is now a two base error. So take off the RBIs, take off the earned runs, or vice versa. And I don't mind that. Because, as I said, it's a knee-jerk reaction. And if you got it wrong, that's fine. But what I don't like is somebody being bullied or talked out of it. Will Clark's last year in San Francisco was so bad that they decided to give all their money to Robbie Thompson instead of Will Clark. And he was struggling so badly. This was 94, I think. And I remember he hit a ball to left field He rounds first. The left fielder kind of short-hopped it. It looked like he kind of dropped it. And he was standing on second, and we were all waiting to see if it was a hit or an error. And Will Clark, from second base, I was at this game, he starts screaming, and he's pointing at the press box above home plate, like, you better give me an effing hit. That was an effing double. Like he was just he couldn't buy a damn hit, and he was just screaming, Ugh. and I honestly don't remember what he got. I don't know if they gave him a hit or an error, but I just remember him screaming and pointing like, you son of a bee, you better give me a hit. So it's not a fun job to have. i I wouldn't want to do it because I would have all I would have the pitchers loving me, and I would have the hitters who don't get a hit. And the defensive player who gets an error, they would hate me. So I would be a darling during PFP, but the rest of BP, they would hate me. Alright, I'm Rick Tittle <laughs> take a quick break. Come on back on Byline.
10: Pricing
1: information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654. Has your heater or air conditioner busted, appliance broken, computer crashed? That's 800-867-6917.
6: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact. And if you owe back taxes, they will be coming after you to collect payments. In fact, President Biden also hired thousands more IRS agents to go after you.
1: That's 800-949-0039. Paid for by the Tax Helpline.
8: You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
11: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: Hey, thanks for that and welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529 One of the things I really miss about the Raiders moving is just going to camp. You know, I was watching that game against the Niners, probably the only one I'll get to see, and I only got to see it because I'm in Niner territory. And Greg Papa He kept saying T-Rock. And so his son is a friend of mine who I worked with for years. And I texted him and I said, is T-Rock Tim Ryan? He goes, you didn't know that? No. Did you know T-Rock was Tim Ryan?
8: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tim Ryan, everything he says, uh, you got to make sure that.
3: (laughs) I think Tim Ryan... And it's probably a good thing. He went of opinion, I said, what about oatmeal cookies? Oh, oatmeal cookies, you got to make sure you thin it out. You don't want it too lumpy. You got to make sure you get the right temperature there and there. And you know, blah, 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 blah. Punditry. Color commentary. But I was watching Mostly Raider backups, and I had no idea who they were. It's funny because in 2011, when I got the A's pre and post for the weekends, they started this new station, and the guy who, Chris Townsend, was doing the games every game. And then he got a daily show, and he's like, It's too much for Townie to do the daily show and then also work on the weekends. So the PD called me, and he goes, You're the one with the knowledge and the passion to do this if you want it. And I was like, Absolutely. Thanks for picking me. And then I hung up and it's like, be careful what you wish for. And I'm like, I will not be out aid. I will have every, I'll have a dossier on every player from the AZL to the bigs. Every transaction I will be on top of. No one will call me and know more about the A's than me. I took it very seriously. It's probably why I did it for eight and a half years. Because I was good at it. So entertaining. Anyway, my point is, is I took the same adage when I did the Raiders for their last year in Oakland. No one will know more than the Ra- about the Raiders than me. And, of course, the history of the Raiders, I was at most of those games. So no one is going to outdo me there. But just right now, who's on the team? Where are they from? Where did they go to college? How did we get them? Undrafted free agent, first-round pick, trade, <clears throat> practice squad from the Vikings, whatever it was. And I'm watching this game, and there are about 50 Raiders. I have no idea who those guys are because I'm not paying attention like I used to when I worked there. And every once in a while now, the A's will call up a guy every once in a while. Basically every week, the A's call a guy up from Vegas, and I go, who? (laughs) And believe me, the guy himself is saying, who am I? No offense to them. But, I mean, and that's on me. I could be just as knowledgeable and do my due diligence, but why? You know? And so going to spring training, as I would with the A's, and I went to spring training this year, but I didn't go to an A's game. Can you believe that? Now, here's the other thing. I went down to spring training to go to the World Baseball Classic, which I did, which was fun, and I'm glad I went at Chase Field in Phoenix. There was one A's game. And even though I get a season credential, they're like, "Uh, oh. I'm like, yeah, I just need, it was a Sunday before I was going to fly home and I was going to go over to New Hohokam, as the Native Americans say, not Hohokam. I was going to go to New Hohokam and I've been there before. And And the A's were like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know if we can get you a credential to that game. And I could have bought a ticket, but I was like, don't you know who I am? I didn't say that, but I was kind of thinking of it. You got to make me buy a ticket? No, no, no. Just, just wait for approval. So that morning I woke up, the game was at like one, it's like 1030. And I went for a hike the The day before I did camelback, which was really hard. Glad I did it. But then I did this other one that was basically the staircase from hell. It wasn't a hike. It was just a horrific staircase up a mountain. I got back. I checked my email and about an hour and a half before the game, I got an email saying, you're approved. And I'm like, nah, I don't live like that. So it was basically like, ugh, do we have to let Rick Tunnel in? Ugh. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right? <laughs> so all these Raiders are out there, and I have no idea. Who they are. By the way, speaking of practice, we're talking practice, Jets senior defensive assistant slash cornerback coach Tony Odin, he went off on a cart. Yeah, a coach. Today they're doing a joint session with the Bucks. And Robert Solace said, Yeah, friendly fire. It was a fight. And so this is something that I learned very early. Like I think in the sixth grade, I learned this. I tried to break up a fight and somebody slammed me in the back of my head, hit the concrete. And I was like, why did I try to break up that fight? And then in high school, when I was a freshman, there was a fight at the bus stop and I tried to break it up. And three guys punched me in the face while I'm trying to break it up. And I was like, yeah, I didn't learn my lesson in sixth grade. I think I learned my lesson now, unless it's my, my, <laughs> family member, you guys can go ahead and fight. So there was a fight and Odin tried to break it up and all of a sudden you just see him and people are separating fights over and Odin's on a knee and the medical personnel came out. He walked off on his own power, but then he got in the cart and left. Now Odin has been an assistant coach in the NFL for 20 years He was with Robert Sala with the Niners, and Sala took him to New York. And it's not uncommon for fights to break out, particularly along linemen and joint practices. And, you know, it's a more private setting than actual games, and you're not going to get thrown out. And by the way, at this time of August, the joint practices are happening all over the country. It's usually the team that you're going to play. They come into town a little bit early. Um. But I do remember when I was playing college football, I saw the worst thing I ever saw on a field. And I've come out of piles where the guy's foot was pointing the wrong way. I mean, I've seen some pretty grisly, horrible stuff. But the worst thing I saw, we were playing Calou, California Lutheran, at St. Mary's, 1986. And there was a fight between two linemen. And the Calou lineman, he was this big Pacific Islander, I don't want to say Simone, he could have been Tongan or something else, but he's a big Pacific Islander. And he ripped off the St. Mary's lineman helmet. And a ref stepped in to try to break it up. And the guy blindly swung the helmet. Think about as hard as you can swing a football helmet. And the guy was probably like 6'4 or 300. And I heard, every you could hear this bong. It hit the ref in the temple, and he went down like a sack of potatoes. And he didn't move. And it took like 20 minutes to get an ambulance on the field. He didn't move. And I was sick to my stomach because I knew he was dead. Like there's no way he survived that. He was killed on the field by this swinging helmet. And like I said, it rang. People thought, oh, it's 1 o'clock. No, those weren't the bells of St. Mary's. That was not the Carillion. That was um, somebody's. That was Solomon's temple. Not the church, the temple. Aha, yes. Steve Landisberg, the uh, Jewish comedian, he said, you know why there's no Jewish people down south? Because then they'd say, are you going to temple or what? (laughs) He's allowed to make Jewish jokes because he's Jewish. Rick, you're not. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I thought the guy had died. And then when they got him in the ambulance, he sat up a little bit and and came back to consciousness, but I thought he's going to go die now. He's going to later die from bleeding on the brain. I don't know what happened to him. I guess he was all right. We would have heard of it. But the Jets right now, I mean, they're on hard knocks. I guess we'll see this fight, skirmish thing on hard knocks. Here's the thing about how much the Jets don't matter, right? I've always pointed out that they've never won the AFC because they haven't. They've won the AFL, Super Bowl three. Joe Willie. But since 2008, okay, since 2008, they are last in the NFL in touchdown passes. And they are second to last in passer rating. And they are first in touchdown to interception ratio. So that means since 2008, their quarterbacks have stunk to high heaven. When was the last time the Jets had a good quarterback? Chad Pennington? Richard Todd? Can you even think of Mark Censor? Can you even think of a good Jets quarterback? And believe me, as a Raider fan, (laughs) I can empathize with some of the best quarterback play of all time, Hall of Famer, and some of the most horrific quarterback play of all time. But, as I said, you know, the jets are out there, the coaches are they're wearing, their FDNY hats, you know, it's all a big party, at least right now. All right, I'm Rick we'll take a quick break on the other side. Diane Franklin will join us right here on sports violin.
14: I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation in a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem, Eliquis, the apixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number 1 cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines, such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at eloquist.com or call 1-855-ELIQUIS. I don't even recognize
8: myself anymore.
9: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this
13: move your things the right way call colonial van lines now for a free quote
1: call now to learn more about this special 250 dollars long distance move discount 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 that's 800-847-0225
18: it doesn't really matter i uh i don't like my job and uh I don't think I'm gonna go
21: anymore.
11: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Waiting on uh, Diane Franklin. And when we get her, we will uh, we'll throw her on the air. I always like to say it like that. Why not? Let's just, let's just pick her up and throw her. Uh, there was an interesting story out of uh, Philadelphia from Joel Petonio he said the Eagles were taking cheap shots at Deshaun Watson in their joint practice with Cleveland. He didn't appreciate how Philly was treating uh, his QB there. And uh, what he said was, I mean, it's just in our practice. You protect the quarterback. You don't want to come close to the quarterback. You don't want to take cheap shots. Things like that where there might have been a couple of questionable plays both ways today. Now, there was one play uh, where defensive end Josh Schwett knocked the ball out of Watson's hands as if he was trying to do a strip sack. And Betonio said, you're not supposed to do that. And if you wonder why, because you might break his thumb or his wrist or a finger. Uh, The Eagles' safety, Sidney Brown, ran over Brown's running back, Demetric Felton, after Reed Blankenship picked off a pass and then offensive tackle, the rookie from the Browns, Dewan Jones, he got into a fight. And so the Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, uh, stepped in to make sure that things didn't escalate. Petonio said, we're going into this week trying to get better in practice and work, and sometimes there are some cheap shots and things like that where you want to defend yourself. I don't know the exact situation. But there were a couple of shots today where we're trying to make sure we're getting the best out of our practice and not fighting, but it was just a little heated second day. It always gets a little bit more fired up. I just think about when I was in college, we had triple days. I thought double days were bad in high school. Triple days. You had three practices a day. No one's in school yet. It's hot. You're living in the dorms. You wake up. It's still dark out. Uh, yeah, it is brutal and you get on each other's nerves. There's absolutely no doubt. All right. I'm Rick Tittle back with you coast to coast and around the world on the American forces radio network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show. Veteran actress, Diane Franklin has a brand new movie called waking nightmare. Diane, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more of the plot of waking nightmare, please.
22: Hey, thanks for having me on the show. So, um, Okay, this is a very interesting film. It's super indie, so anybody who watches it, if you've got to be into indie films, and uh, even from the credits, from the get-go, you'll start seeing this is not something you expect. Um, and the story is about a girl who is in college, college age, and she there's a death at her college, and she comes back home um, trying to recover from her roommate's death. And through that, you discover that she's, uh, since childhood, um suffering from um, sleepwalking. Um, And what you discover as you watch the movie is that things start happening and she starts getting into trouble from this sleepwalking. And I play her mother uh, along with Jamison Newlander, who plays my husband. um, And we're very concerned about her behavior, um, but it starts leading into more and more insane and unexpected and, wild experiences throughout the film. I mean, all I can tell you is I don't want to blow it, but it's a wild ride.
3: Very cool. And speaking of college girls, you went back and got your degree late. How important was that for you?
22: Oh, thank you for noticing that. Okay, so like (laughs) as an actress, you know, I I started acting at 10 years old. Okay, I did that until I was, you know i was acting and acting and acting and i started to go i went to college again when i was like i, I mean i saved all my money to go to college so i and i really i got to tell you i was i came from a background where like i wasn't expected to go to college but i wanted to have an i honestly an american experience i was like what I have to go to college that's part of being American like I just need to experience what's everybody talking about And I went to college but my acting took me out of it I, I did like a year and a half and then it, it the, you know opportunity knocks and you got to answer that door so um, I had done it for so long I really wanted to do it and I acted and then what happened was as I was acting um, I then got married and decided I have kids and so that's when I decided to go back to and get my degree because I had more time, and I wanted to be there to raise my kids, so that's why I stopped acting. So I raised my ki- raised my kids, I went to school, and I went, like, I just, you know, slowly, you know, semester by semester, whenever I could find the time, went back to school, and finally got my degree. Dun-dun-dun, 2014, I think I got it. 2014, yeah. And that is when I got my finished my ba and i have to say um that was a wonderful moment because it, it was like you know you can go back and get your degree and it what's great about it is now i work and i teach kids as well on top of uh, acting so like i can do both it's just a question of you know you have these windows of opportunity during a time in your life and take them you know when you have the energy do it you know don't just sit back go after what you want like you know there's beginning and an end and in the middle is when you make things happen so i highly recommend it
3: well said now speaking about being a mom with your daughter olivia along with sid they oh, they got thank yeah they're getting a lot of traction lovely and talented so what's some of the things are you telling her about show business because it is different now with streaming and all this other stuff but what what are some of, what's your advice
22: oh you know what that is a great question and i want to share something really important so even during this film, I did this film, um, and Olivia is a professional actor. She's worked really hard, uh, you know, and, and she's, she's not one of those kids that silver spooned. One of the most important things about acting is that you have to let, you have to understand the life, and it's not for everybody. And I knew it was for me, but not necessarily my kids. My son, at a certain point, turned to me and said, I am not a uh, actor. I want to be a musician. And I'm like, okay, fine. So now he is a classical symphony uh, bassist. He actually is. He went to college, he went to school, he got a degree, he's been playing, and now he's playing in symphonies, which, bravo, you know, like, you can make it happen, it just takes hard work, and don't give up. Um, with my daughter, this is a very interesting thing, she's been an actress, um, she's learned, she's watched what I do, but she's also studied, and she's uh, she's actually a comedian, um, but in this particular case, Waking Nightmare, she was actually in the film for one scene mm. um, a re- that was really completely, like, just, I had been hired, and it was the last day of filming, and she was hired, but uh, up until that moment, everything was hunky-dory, and you asked me about acting, but that last day, when they shot her film, was my waking nightmare, and I can only say to you, is this, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it, but mom, is, you know, I'm I'm very territorial and then and then this one came up and I was like I almost didn't do interviews for this film because of that but then I spoke to her about it and I said to her okay what do you want to do and she said yeah mom I think that's fine and I I have to share with you yes there are times in acting which are not uh you know directors perhaps put things in the films that were not necessarily in the script and that's not okay so I'll share this with all filmmakers don't give actors things they have to do that they're not prepared to do. You need to let Edna know everything before they go and shoot something. So upon that, I will say this. Um, Yes, you know, there are trials and tribulations. If you become an actor and you have a child's acting, you need to be careful, you need to watch out. Even I, uh, she's had a lot of positive experiences and I have been on her, you know, by her side, you know, and there's a certain time where they will start to fly and it's not for everyone. So unless that child comes to you and says they want to do it, um, yeah, it's, t- it's a very difficult business. So you wouldn't want to put somebody in it who didn't love it. She loves it, and therefore she is, check out her on Sid and Olivia on TikTok. Seriously, she's, and she's done television and film and all this stuff. And um, But Sid and Olivia, S-Y-D, she has a comedy, uh, 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 another girl she does comedy with. So um, I highly, I'm p- publicizing her now, Olivia De Laurentiis. But there you go, yes. Keep your eye on your kids. Very well okay. said. By the <laughs> way,
3: by the way, I had s- director Steve Craig uh, on my show, um, so it's just sometimes that that stuff just happens,
22: huh? Uh, you know what? I, I think for somebody who's a professional as myself, like you know, and I've had years and years of experience, I can see that. You know, um, I think with maybe there is an assumption that other people, you know, that other people act that you know are in there, um, but yeah, no, you can't you got to let people know exactly what's going on. And I think that that's a really important part of entertainment. I personally, you know, um, there's some surprises that come when I'm working and I can handle it. I mean, I had a situation where I was doing a film and the directors asked me to do some things that I did not agree to in my contract. And therefore I said, no, that wasn't okay. And that was that, you know, and I just, basically, I mean, certainly actors have to say what they feel, um, mm-hmm. but... In that particular case, yeah, it was definitely a, a waking nightmare for me.
3: <laughs> All right. We have a question on Twitter from Derek. He says, ask her how many tooks it hit with the lemons and the no parking sign and says Better Off Dead was a fantastic movie.
22: Merci, Bacchus, for that. It was fantastic. I will talk with a French dialect for that. Merci. I can do it. And uh, <laughs> how many takes? Well, it was uh, pretty fast. Um, I actually... The minute we started doing it, I think it was probably the first take. So we, but we kept doing it, So the scene over and over again. So I guess I'll say three.
3: <laughs> nice. And I also want to ask you, because of Bill and Ted, do you have a George Carlin? I'm a huge fan of George Carlin. I got to see him once. Um, your thoughts?
22: Oh, George it was amazing. Shocking. Okay, so I've seen him you know, perform as a comedian and the foulest mouth guy you've ever heard, but but so true. And his his comedy is brilliant. Um, he spoke, he he created some of the most iconic uh, comedy ever. And so when we went to work with him, we all were kind of a little afraid that, you know, maybe he'd be really outrageous. And he was the most genteel gentleman to work with. Excellent, just a lovely, uh, sweet, kind, well-mannered guy. It was phenomenal. So it was just really a I I totally positive experience. But I think we were all shocked. Keanu, Alex, uh, Kimberly and I, um, who play the other princess, Kimberly Kate, we were just shocked. Like right. how nice he was. <laughs> he was really great.
3: Very good. By the way, David Naughton turning into a werewolf, maybe the, the best special effects of the 80s?
22: Oh, absolutely loved working with him was so honored and shocked to be able to work with him you know i grew up watching him as a teen so mm-hmm. i had my crush you know and then when i was like oh my gosh i'm going to work with him what a nice experience and he's a you know a, a artist i mean he's a real actor of course he you know we all look at him as you know american werewolf in london to, for at least my my uh rem- memory of him um but he is he was great to work with. And I'm really, it was really interesting working him with him because we worked with him on the first day. And so we were all finding our chemistry. We were all finding our relationships with Shelly Regner, who was in um, pitch perfect. So, um, and she was great to work with. We have some ripping scenes in this film ripping. Um, but David, uh, I think it was a great way to start actually, because it was sort of like, it was the last scene in the film that we all connect with. And we all had to decide where, what note do we hit at the end of the film? And I think, uh, I think people are pretty happy with it.
3: It's the last American version. Last time you talked to a guy named Rick, I think it was in that movie. If I think about it, Uh, Steve Anton, I think everyone check out this film, waking nightmare with our guest Check it out. Diane Franklin's still going strong. We were in high school at the same time, Diane. So I I get you. Thank you for the Thank uh, you. thanks for the interview and congratulations on the movie.
22: Thank you for having me and uh, yes, definitely uh, everybody watch this film. You'll ne- you've never seen me like this ever, so it'll shock you. Good okay? stuff, <laughs>
3: great stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports byline.
1: That's 800-433-0539. Paid for by Fix My Student Loans.
22: Oh, I would love that. And then maybe afterwards we can go field herping. That's when you go out (laughs) and you look for reptiles.
11: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey. I
3: feel bad about that. I really do because it just kind of bounced off his head and, and then uh, that was it. Um, Hearing that Diane Franklin had a problem with the director, Steve Craig, over something that he asked her daughter to do in the movie leaves me with about 100 more questions, but I don't want to... <laughs> I just sort of suggest, see him saying, why don't you do that? And she's like, the daughter's like, sure. And then the mom's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. No, I just want her to do that. That's not in the script. Yeah, but she's going to do that. No, 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 she's not. Mom, it's fine. No, it's not fine. See, I've had, I created the whole thing in my mind now. Who knows what it was? I guess we'll have to read her book or watch the movie. I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick break. Hard news. Another hour. Get on back.
19: News. I'm Cory Myers. Former President Trump and the 18 other defendants indicted Monday by a Georgia grand jury in alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election will reportedly be booked at the Fulton County Jail. Officials say they expect all 19 will be processed and fingerprinted and defendants can turn themselves in at any time. Trump's team has not yet disclosed his plans regarding booking or arraignment. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen admitting she ate hallucinogenic mushrooms during her recent visit to China.
20: In an interview with CNN, she clarified that she ate the mushrooms as part of a dish at a well-liked Chinese restaurant. But unbeknownst to her at the moment, they were hallucinogenic mushrooms in that dish.
19: If the mushrooms are cooked properly, which I'm sure they were at this very good restaurant, that they have no impact. But all of us enjoyed the mushrooms, the restaurant, and none of us felt felt any ill effects um, from having eaten them.
20: Yellen was in China in early July meeting with Chinese officials. I'm John Schaefer.
19: Hawaii Governor Josh Green says the death toll from wildfires in his state now at 106. Only a handful of those known dead have been identified with investigators gathering DNA profiles of more than a dozen people. Green says over a thousand first responders from around the world are helping out. The mother of a six-year-old who shot his teacher in Virginia is pleading guilty to a state charge of felony child neglect. Deja Taylor's son shot teacher Abigail Zwerner at school earlier this year, putting her in the hospital with wounds to her hand and chest. Taylor's sentencing on federal gun charges and the newest state charge will both take place in October. This is USA News.
5: Hey y'all, my name is Sierra, and a little thing that I love about the Chick-fil-A Spicy Chicken Biscuit is that it has the perfect amount of spice to jumpstart my day. Whoever thought of it, thank you so much.
4: Hi, my name is Robert, and a little thing I love about Chick-fil-A Spicy Chicken Biscuit is the biscuit. It reminds me of my grandma's homemade biscuit. It's always buttery and savory, then you add the spices, instant classic.
19: Order the Spicy Chicken Biscuit on
5: the Chick-fil-A app today. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials.
15: Keeping your kids safe is a full-time job, whether it's putting on outlet covers, installing child gates, or gluing down your priceless face. So Duracell made one part of childproofing simple. Our lithium coin batteries are the only ones coated in a non-toxic bitterant to help discourage swallowing. Your kid is safer, and you've got one less thing to worry about. Or glue down. Duracell, engineered for more. Available in 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes.
19: The McConaughey's are teaming up with Baby to Baby to provide support on the ground. Matthew McConaughey and his son Levi spreading the word about their efforts to help Hawaiians in need. The father and son took to Instagram in a video yesterday as news from the devastating wildfires in Maui continues to trickle in, sharing their intent to provide support and asking for your help.
20: So if you'd like to help. Um, Check out Baby to Baby. See the work they're doing. Or any other way you can help. There's a lot of help that's needed.
19: Yeah, they're going to need it for the long term. So any way you guys can help, it's appreciated. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Just keep living. Thanks, guys.
19: YouTube updating its medical misinformation guidelines. It's removing content that the company says promotes harmful or ineffective cancer treatments or discourages viewers from getting professional medical help. YouTube plans to promote cancer-related content from authoritative sources like the Mayo Clinic. Amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the platform removed more than one million videos it deemed as misinformation. For the first time ever, television accounts for less than half of Americans' viewing time. According to Nielsen, traditional cable and broadcast TV made up less than half of all TV watching at just 49.6% combined. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
1: Airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855 325 5647. 855 325 5647. That's 855 325 5647.
22: Rick Tittle knows
8: his sports.
22: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
5: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. J.D. Sharp on the other side of this break from Pro-Wagering, talk MLB. We'll also have former Navy SEAL and movie maker, Matt Paul. He has a movie called Breakwater with Dermot Mulroney. Talk to you. Him. By the way, uh, you know, the the transfer deadline isn't until September 1st in Europe, and so players can still go even though these seasons have started. And Neymar leaving Paris Saint-Germain to go to the Persian Gulf. But a lot of times there's a release clause. And by the way, it looks like Mbappe is going to stay with PSG. We'll see. Um, But these release clauses are basically, before we even start talking about a transfer, you got to pay the release clause. Barcelona has at La Masia, the farm, they have one of the great youth teams of all, they have a German international midfielder named Noah Darvich. And Noah Darvich, I've seen some video on him. He's a tall midfielder with dark hair. And all I could say is he reminds me of Zidane. I mean, he's a 16-year-old. He's playing against other kids his age. But the way he can kind of run and stop and let the ball do the running and then move his hips, but then his shoulders go the other way. I mean, he's so elegant and smooth. And elegant is a compliment, by the way. He reminds me of a young Zinedine Zidane. Zizu! Well, Barcelona have announced their release clause on him if you even want to talk about Noah Darvich. One billion euros. Now, that's because they think he's going to be a great player, but also because of the Saudis. (laughs) If you even want to talk about that kid at 16, you're going to have to fork out a billion euros, which is pretty astounding. But anyway, just remember the name. Noah Davi, Barcelona, and uh, Germany. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call to get in, to get heard. 1-800-878-7529. Also around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. I'm on Twitch.tv. Hey, how's it going? Eh? I turned Canadian. Come on back with J.D. Sharp.
0: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? And save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295.
17: Has someone in your family lost a job recently?
1: That's 800 788 1495.
25: This is JD Sharp. I've been developing a revolutionary sports handicapping service, and you can be a part of the beta. Sign up at betus.com with a deposit of as little as $50 and use the promo code SHARPBETTING. Email a screenshot of your account to worldwidesharp at gmail.com and I'll reply personally with my plays. My NFL record this season was an industry best, 72 and 33, and this is the only way to know all my plays the moment I make them. Let's keep making money together.
21: This is Ron Barr. Be sure to check out Sports Byline and the 8 Side Network's outstanding eight-part podcast series, Behind the Barrier, Voices from the Negro Leagues. Here, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and others share their stories of the Negro Leagues, the challenges that the players face, and the importance of Negro League baseball to the game's history. Behind the Barrier is available now on the iHeart Podcast Network and all podcast platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pandora. Check out Behind the Barrier.
2: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is it? He's so handsome. He's a genius.
22: Coming up next, Rick Tittle.
3: Thank you for that. It is our 312 after. This is the time we check in with one of the fine prognosticators at Pro Wagering, ProWagering.com. It's JD Sharp to talk Major League Baseball. JD, the uh, Yanks got shut out by the juggernaut Braves, 5-0 Tuesday night. They're 500. This is the it was 1995 that you have to go back to have them be 500 this late in the season. And once again, it was Luis Severino, bad timing in a walk year. His ERA is 8, but the first inning was his undoing. And they say that about pitchers. Remember Dave Stewart, they said you got to get him in the first inning or you won't get him. I know Arias with the Dodgers, he always has problems with the first inning and then he settles down. Well, Severino's first inning ERA is now 15 so, outside of Aaron Judge, I mean, they only had a hit by LeMahieu, and that was it. What, what is, I mean, are they going to clean house in the Bronx?
25: I don't know. I mean, Severino has been nothing short of awful this year, and he actually had a really good start to his career. He got hurt, and the pitch clock isn't helping him. The Yankees do need to clean house, though. I mean, you look, you've got Stanton, Rizzo, Judge, Torres. They're all basically the same player. They don't steal bases. They don't really hit for average. They need to hit bombs or they're not winning games. Then Ahead of them, you've got D.J. LeMayhew, who's slow. You've got Billy McKinney, who is very average at best. Harrison, Harrison Bader, they had Josh Donaldson. They've got a, a rotation, a catcher, with Higashioka and uh, Ben Rortvetz. And I can't think of the, the third catch that they have. I, I can't think of his name. He's, for, whatever, for whatever reason, it's just it's just lost on me right now. Um, so so yeah, I I mean I, I think that the Yankees do need a, a total rekindling. Uh, are they gonna? What's gonna happen with Cole? Garrett Cole is the runaway Cy Young winner right now, especially after Shane McClanahan has Tommy John surgery coming yeah. up. Is he gonna stick around? Is Judge gonna stick around? Um, I think that they kind of rode that wave of Judge having that gigantic year that he had last year. And they kind of just expected it to work this year as well. And when when you don't have four players like Anthony Volpe, who Anthony Volpe, she should be starting. He should be leadoff batter for them every single game next year. That should be their guy, unless they trade for someone better, unless they maybe go after like an Acuna, even though he's untouchable. Uh, but, yeah, they they need to get more guys like that, more guys that are going to hit 15 to 20 home runs and steal 25 to 30 bases and score 80 runs, like a Bobby Witt light, not Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt's having an unbelievable year, and he's only 23. He's going to get better. So, yeah, uh, I think Cashman is gone absolutely. Uh, I think there's a chance that Cole tries to leave as well, and they need to restructure the entire team, and they need to make it more like the Braves or like the Rays, and not from a talent perspective, but from what each player does at their position related to the other players. You know, if you've got four guys in a row that all hit bombs. And the leadoff guy is not getting on base constantly and stealing bases. You're not going to generate that many runs. You're, you will every now and then, but no one's hitting 70, 80 home runs a year. That's not going to happen, and they'll just walk you. So, uh, and then maybe you'll pop out, maybe you'll have a ground out. I mean, the, the game has definitely changed in quite a different way. So, yeah, I think they have to they have to restructure everything. And I do not expect them to make the playoffs this year, Rick. I think they are done. So,
3: when you look at the Padres at Petco last night, destroying the Orioles 10 to three, Michael Waka got his. Ninth win, and, you know, it's just, if they're going to make, now they're six games under. If the Padres are going to make a move, it's mid-August, they're leaving it late, but it's got to be now. Now, do you think after crushing a excellent team like Baltimore that this now is going to be the momentum, or is this just a one-off game and they're going to go back to being mediocre again?
25: I honestly don't know. I really, Walker played well. That's big. You know, they've got Walker. They've got Musgrove. They've got Snell, who's probably the second best player in baseball, or best player pitcher in baseball. A pretty decent chance. Yeah, I think either him or Strider are looking at the NL Cy Young. So, and they have a ton of talent. Gary Sanchez hit a grand slam last night. Uh, Soto's playing better, well, actually a lot better. Uh, ha Sung Kim is top three in war. Uh, Bogart's is starting to pit, starting to hit a little bit. Obviously, they have Machado. Obviously, they have Fernando Tatis Jr., and they've got Hayter as their closer. So, on paper, I think that they're set up to make that playoff run, but they have to they have to turn it up now. They're they're, they're what fifty six and sixty three, I think it is fifty seven and sixty three, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they have to turn it up. They have to they have to win sixty to sixty five percent of their remaining games, and I, I think they can. I think they have the talent to do it, especially with Walker returning and pitching at the level uh, that he, that he pitched at. But you know, I said the same thing about the Angels, and the Angels again got. Blown out last night, so uh, seven to three, they lost you know, a game, and, and Otani, it almost looks like Otani's. I was thinking before, like okay, they're going to rest him because of you know he, he's not going to have his next start, which they need him. He's top five in WAR as a pitcher and hitter, which is unri- just ridiculous. By the mm-hmm. way, I mean just yeah. insane how crazy that stat is. But I think he's kind of, I, I think he may just be packing it in and saying, hey, I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm getting ready to, to enter the free agency market, and it's going to be, the, the, it's gonna be the, the biggest sweepstakes and possibly professional sports history when that happens.
3: And he had already cranked it up early for the WBC, yeah, so maybe he is going to take some time off. Let me throw this at you, J.D., because I know you like buying cards, whether it's Ellie yeah. Dela Cruz or Matt Olson, what have you. Um, when the A's called up Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff a few weeks ago, I just want to give you this, because no one's going to know this outside of A's fans, because who who cares about the A's? They're last in hitting and last in pitching. But Zach Galoff, in his first 25 games, young second baseman, former third-round pick, eight home runs, 13 RBIs, six steals, and 978 OPS. He is the first player, first rookie, not just on the A's, but in all of baseball, since 1900, with eight home runs and six steals in their first 25 games. So... I mean, you think about guys who could hit. I mean, I would think Otani would would be there, Kenseiko, Soto, guys like that. But Geloff, So, if you want to get his rookie card for twenty five cents, you might want to do that now.
25: Yeah, I, I saw a little bit. I, 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 you know, when I see a name like that and on a team like the A's, and I'm sure that the average person is the exact same thing. I kind of just overlook it. But I have seen, I have seen some numbers about about Gelloff. And I, I didn't know that they were that good. I think they were a little worse a couple days ago when I saw it. But yeah, those are those are pretty remarkable numbers, being able to to steal that many bases and hit that many home runs. What is six one two ten? What what's his size?
3: Yeah. And how about this? Twenty five games, seventeen extra
25: base hits. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to me, that that's worth going on and buying a, a Bowman Bowman first gold auto for about three hundred. I think that's probably a smart move because uh, if those stats sustain in any capacity over the course, what is it, twenty three? You said.
3: He was uh the number three uh or third round pick. I think he's actually twenty one, I think.
25: Oh wow. Yeah. That's a number. Twenty one is really, really young. That's actually Pete Crow Armstrong's age, <laughs> who I've been talking about quite a bit, who just had a a, a walk off home run last night for Triple A, and he's actually he's hitting I wanna say four hundred since he got into triple A. Uh, he's having very similar stats to what to what Gelof has, but but at AAA, along with the elite defense, and I think that he's going to get called up by the Cubs for sure in September.
3: Let me get you this before we let you go. Um, we got a game in about an hour and a half here in San Francisco. Tampa Bay and the Giants they're going to have Savali going for Tampa Bay. It's the kid Walker going for San Francisco who is four and one with a two two eight, and I think a lot of people. I uh, don't know uh, Ryan Walker, but if he keeps pitching like this, uh, you know, he's a 27 year old rookie, but they will know him. What are your thoughts on this game?
25: Yeah, man. And Wade Meckler. Is Meckler playing?
3: I do not know if I have not seen the lineups.
25: He's he's 23. He played yesterday. He tore it up in, in AAA as well. Um, I looked at this game briefly. Sabali's actually very good under these circumstances. I think that there's a lot of people that are going to bet against the Rays right now because of McClanahan, because of Franco. By the way, they're actually. The Rays the Rays are the situation with Franco is so bad that a guy that plays his position, Carson Williams, uh they actually just skipped double A and moved him straight from high A to triple A. Uh, uh because I think that Franco's probably done for the season and they know it. So um yeah, I mean th- th- this is a game I I looked at it briefly. I haven't handicapped it in depth at all, but I I would seriously I would seriously look at, at Somali first five here.
3: Yeah, it looks like Meckler will be uh leading off today.
25: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wade Meckler, first game ever went went out, uh two for four, with uh with like with like a a run or something like that. But apparently the guy's a really really great contact hitter.
3: Yeah, it comes out of that Oregon State program, which has had some um, good results, even though they don't oh, have absolutely. a conference anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> JD Sharp, ProWagering and ProWagering.com. Thanks for your time, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back with some open lines at one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine.
1: Pricing information. 800 915 9654. 800 915 9654. 800 915 9654. That's 800 915 9654. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long? 54 inch wide... (laughs) Gorilla! Is that what you're
2: telling me?
11: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar, but he ain't here today. Now, back to Rick Tittle.
3: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Coming up in the next segment, we'll speak with filmmaker Matt Paul, new movie called Breakwater with uh, Dermot Mulroney. Let's see if he gives the uh, movie away again. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me earlier in the show but he was in this movie, I think, called The Grey with Liam Neeson, where they're out in the snow and they're being eaten by wolves. And he goes, yeah, my character, they put a bunch of meat in my clothes and they threw it out there, let the wolves eat it. And I go, so you die? He goes, yeah, I die. i like, I don't need to see the movie now. And he's like, ah, ha, ha. All right. But I also mentioned earlier in the show with Rog Marate as the chairman of Leeds United, phew, how much Americans have come in to the uh, the EPL and also the league as well, and some of the uh, lower divisions. But this guy, Todd Boley, American, he goes to West London to Chelsea, goes into Stamford Bridge, and immediately fires Tomas Tuchel, who had won the Champions League. And he puts in Frank Lampard. And then Frank Lampard is a disaster. Todd Boley... He got rid of Christian Pulisic, but he's also spent over a billion pounds. A billion pounds on players. And the guy they just got, Caicedo, from Brighton and Hove Albion, a a holding midfielder, which just goes to show you how important those guys are. And here's the thing. This was a real wake-up call, I think, for Liverpool because, you know, Liverpool's in the Champions League, and they won it a few years ago against Spurs. Ouch, ouch, ouch. But uh, Chelsea or uh, Brighton agreed to Liverpool for 111 million pounds. And Caicedo said, I don't want to go up there. You want to play in the Champions League? He goes, no, I want to play in London. I want to play for Mauricio Pogatino and Chelsea. So they paid 115 million pounds for a holding midfielder. Shows you how important those guys are. But they also last year signed Enzo Fernandez for 107 million pounds. And so UEFA and FIFA have stated it's going to judge all transfer fees as being amortized over a maximum of five years, even if the contracts are longer, like Enzo Fernandez's eight-and-a-half-year contract. So the 300 million pounds the Blues might have spent will be divided among a small number, but they still have 265 million pounds in the likes of uh, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz and the Saudi contingent they sold. So they bring that money in. And by the way, I wouldn't have sold either of those players. <laughs> Not at all. But as I said, Moises Caicedo now has signed up until 2031. And the, the conundrum really isn't just how much money they're spending right now. But is this Matt Millen just drafting wide receivers? And the Millen man march. I mean, on the plus side, they are not going to finish in 12th, which was a travesty for them, 12th place. And as I mentioned, you have Fernandez and Caicedo, and they're very invigorating players. I mean, Caicedo brings so much passing uh, as well. He's a very good player. And think about this. I would hire whoever's in charge at Brighton. Because you think about how great Eve Basuma was, the Malian, and they sold him on to Tottenham for 25 million pounds, who's now getting a run out finally. Conte dog-housed him. What are you talking about? Just stick with me. But if Reese James, who's the captain, if he stays fit, then he goes over to the right flank, and then they sign Christopher and Cuckoo. And if you look at what he did in the last two seasons in the Bundesliga, he's a very good attacker. And then, of course, you have Thiago Silva, still there. Raheem Sterling, who I've never been a big fan of, but he does get on the score sheet. Liverpool, Man City, and now Chelsea. But uh, Nicholas Jackson got in a good shooting position at Stamford Bridge, uh, who's uh, Nigerian, and whether he can do so for the course of 38 games, uh, I don't know. But they got this guy, uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, from Shakhtar Donetsk in Ukraine with the neck tats. paid over the moon for him, and he just sits there on the bench right now, mostly. The same is kind of true of Romeo Lavia. There's interest in uh, Liverpool and Chelsea and Man City's placing of a buyback (laughs) clause in their agreement to sell him to Southampton, but, you know, Belgian international. But the, the reality of his sole season in the Premier League was he wasn't that great, and then to spend 50 million pounds on him? And the caveat was, well, he was playing in a you know, really bad team, and Soton, the Saints. What I'm trying to get at is this guy, Boley, I just wonder who he's listening to. You know, they're they're going to sell Kepa to Real Madrid, the goalkeeper, the most expensive goalkeeper in history, who's second string, Kepa Arizabalaga, who got his manager fired when he was subbed and he wouldn't come off. And do you know that that's a rule, that it's not a rule. If you're being subbed, you don't have to leave. And he basically castrated his manager when he said, no, I'm not coming off. I'm going to keep playing. (laughs) So the only goalkeeper on the book is 25 million pounds for Robert Sanchez. And he lost his place last season to Jason Steele at Brighton. So I say, sign up the people who buy people at Brighton, and then they still win. And now they're in Europe and Zerbi is maddening, but a very good coach so far too. So they got Broha on the books, and they're now they're going to sell Lukaku, big Rom, maybe to Tottenham. So, look the. If you think about what Todd Boley has done, I mean, it, it's just you go in and you say, "Who's the most expensive guy? This guy. All right, let's buy him." You can't just assemble a bunch of stars and then throw them out there. I mean, look at Mudrick. He makes 200,000 pounds a week. That's how he's judged. and not even playing him, and he's super young. But this bully-led consortium, they have pledged a new age of patience, and then they fired two managers. <laughs> I just wonder if they're going to give Mauricio Pocatino time to build this squad and to gel around them. And probably not. I would think that's just, they they just, they just don't do that there. Um, but as anything, when you buy a team, you should be like, you know, I, and who knew I would be using him as an example. You should be like Joe Lacob and just say, you run it. Tell me when you need money. It's like, okay, I'll need money. And by the way, um, Falarin uh, Baligan, who came into the United States team late <clears throat> during the summer, he's now a full USA international, um, and he's a sub at Arsenal. Monaco in the French League, it's technically not in France, but it's you know, enveloped by France there on the Côte d'Azur. I've been to Monaco. Monte Carlo and Monaco, same thing. One city, one state. But um, they bid $43 million for Falar and Balogun, and Arsenal said no. And they said, if you want them, you got to come back at $64 million. You know, outside of when Pulisic went to Chelsea from... Borussia Dortmund, I don't remember that much. But now that the going rate, I mean, you know, you pay $105 million for Declan Rice from West Ham to go to Arsenal. You know, here's the thing. Balagon played at REM last year in France in the Championnat de France Ligue 1, and he scored 22 goals. So they definitely know about him in France. But this is this is how weird Arsenal is. They have a very good uh goalkeeper in Aaron Ramsdale who's the England number 2 and then they went out and they bought David Raya from Brentford. And so now they have two goalkeepers. <laughs> which one's going to be the cup goalkeeper and which one's going to be the league goalkeeper? I don't know, keep an eye on it. But the money going around now is just insane. And when I think about what got paid in that You know, 86 million pounds for Harry Kane. Now it's for one year, and then he signed a four-year deal in in Munich with uh, Bayern. That's just not enough for him. All right. Rick, why don't you talk about something I know about? All right, we'll do that. We'll do that next with filmmaker Matt Paul, who's also a former Navy SEAL. Come on back.
24: Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain, For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com.
6: One out of two Americans thinks their life is worthy of a book. Here's another startling stat. You may be one of the 15% of people who bothered to start your book and one of the 6% that got halfway through it, but your gem of an idea likely died or did it. It's a free consultation, so call right now. Find out how much time and money it takes to finally get that book idea of yours published. Make your dreams happen. Call Doran's Publishing right now.
1: 800-485-6003 800-485-6003 485 6003 That's
18: 800-485-6003 Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family.
20: 800-943-2153.
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right, whatever works. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to be joined by filmmaker Matt Paul. He's produced a new film called Breakwater, which will be premiering Saturday at Cinequest Film Festival in San Jose, written and directed by James Rowe, starring uh, Dolmet Mulrooney. Darren Mann, Alyssa Goss, Sonia Sun, and Mina Suvari. Um, Matt, welcome to the show. And i got to mention, first of all, you're a former Navy SEAL, or as a squid you guys call yourselves. And I've interviewed a lot of SEALs over the years. And um, I've had Rob Roy on as well, the legendary Rob Roy. Did you ever meet him?
26: Hi, Rick. Uh, it's great to meet you, telephonically at least. And uh, no, I never did get to meet uh, Rob Roy.
3: How, did you ever get close to ringing the bell? Or was that if that was even a thought, you would have rung it, right? No,
26: no. I, I got to tell you, the, the guys who go through the program and make it through successfully, uh, really, it's really rather die than ring that freaking bell. <laughs>
3: I remember he told me, he's like, the guys who come in who look like linebackers, they're the first ones that are going to cry and ring the bell. It's those wiry, steely guys like you. It's like, the only way I'm leaving is in a box, right?
26: Yeah, I was about a buck sixty five when I went through selection. And, uh, yeah, definitely those linebacker types. They got those big arms and those big mouths. They're always talking about the game. <laughs> and then they sink in the water so fast, so fast.
3: I've had different uh... – answers to this question but how fake or how real was american sniper
26: well you know they did a great job on that film and they had great advisors on it so i'd say that's actually one of the more realistic ones out there
3: good to hear all right um getting to the movie now i had uh mulroney on my show years ago and he was in a movie called the gray with liam neeson And he talked about how they, his character, they filled his clothes full of meat and they threw it out there and the wolves ate it. And I go, so you die? And he goes, yeah, I die in the movie. So he kind of gave it away. So I just want to let you know, when he's promoting this movie, he might give it away.
26: (laughs) Well, Dermot's really great. We really loved working with him. And uh, he sure is a machine when it comes to making films. And he's uh, so great at promoting as well. We really hope uh, that we can clear things up uh, soon with uh, everything with sag and we can get him out there to help us promote because uh he's so good at it
3: so this movie the synopsis north carolina's outer banks and uh what's going on here
26: well you know we've uh we've got pretty much you know you know the synopsis of the film right we, we've got uh three characters converging here and they're trying to get clear of their past but you know they run into each other and that gets in the way of them clearing themselves up
3: when you came out of your career, I mean, and then getting involved in Hollywood, what was that like? I mean, what were your steps? Did you go right to producing, or did did you have to kind of get your foot in the door?
26: Well, so I went to Bates College, where I had a degree in theater and film directing. So after my you know six year stint active and two years in the reserves, uh, coming out of the military, I wanted to get back in touch with my roots as a filmmaker. I picked up a camera, I loaded it up into a backpack, I started traveling the world making short films uh again i came across a filmmaking program in italy where i met uh writer director james rowe um also i was just vicious on linkedin finding anybody i could who was former you know from the navy seal community who was now in the filmmaking world uh i found this great guy mitch hall who brought me on to the set of the history channel show six uh where i got to study underneath him as a producer and underneath Uh, Oscar award-winning director Kimberly Pierce. After that, um, I pretty much, yeah, I got my foot in the door with my feature uh, uh, Violet, which was written and directed by Justine Bateman. Uh, And after producing that, I uh, came uh, across Breakwater when James brought it to me when it was in its infancy. I was really pleasantly surprised by his trust uh, that he demonstrated by bringing it to me before it was even done. I read the first absolutely brilliant pages and optioned the rights to the script on the spot. You know, what can I say? When you know, you know, right? So, Breakwater became my second feature film under the Loose Cannon banner and my first time as lead creative producer.
3: What's it like, you mentioned Loose Cannon Pictures when you started an indie film company you know, you, those are a dime a dozen. So how do you make that breakthrough and then become something where people are like, oh, you got to work with them?
26: Well, I think the short way to answer your question is reputation. Uh, so the great thing that I learned in the military is take care of your people. And I have you know, developed a reputation now over two feature films for always making sure that my cast and crew are treated properly and that they have the best experience possible when making a piece of art together. So that, 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 that's, I think, how you answer that question.
3: A couple more questions from Matt Paul, the new film breakwater is going to be Saturday at Cinequest in San Jose. I remember talking to a, a Navy SEAL who said uh, we don't get PTSD We're, we didn't bring that back to our wives and family. And then I talked to another one and he's like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Where do you, where do you stand on that statement?
26: I'm sorry, could you repeat the
8: question?
3: There was, a, I talked to one Navy SEAL and, and about PTSD. He had done some tours like you, and he said we don't we don't bring that back to our wives and family. That's for you know, Navy and Army guys. And then another SEAL said, "No, it's the dumbest thing I ever heard."
26: Well, you know, that's interesting. I think that. Uh... Uh, Everybody who goes into a combat zone, everybody who goes through, uh, you know, the intense military training that we go through in the SEAL community has some form of PTSD, whether that be major or minor. No matter where it is on the spectrum, I think it's really important to talk to your peers and your family about it and not hide it away. Because otherwise it's just going to become an itch that's too unbearable and eventually you got to scratch it. And it's uh, it's best that you come uh, and get the help that you need because PTSD is real.
3: Yeah, that's what I figured. And by the way, and, and forgive me if I'm asking too many SEAL questions, but I'm fascinated by it. Basically, you know, over a year of training, and you're doing underwater demolitions, you're doing parachute jumps, but you know, just seeing you guys locked arms, laying in the freezing surf. What, what was the hardest part of the training for you?
26: You know, I think the hardest part is dealing with the daily grind. But what I can tell you is that it really helped me. For example. It helped me on this film. One of the biggest challenges I faced uh, on Breakwater was um, handling all of the complex maritime environments that we have in the film. Uh, some specific examples would be like, you know, taking apart a sailboat and moving it to another location, putting it back together, and then filming a scene with multiple maritime uh, boats going around other boats. You know, also at one point we have a set piece that we had to sink underneath the the water. And so I actually led a dive team underneath the water to set that in place. All things that uh, I was able to draw on my Navy SEAL experience to be able to do.
3: So do, do sometimes people expect too much? Like they say, if we turn out the lights and I give you a, you know, M249 saw, can you take it apart and put it back together in the dark? And you're like, come on, man, I can't do everything.
26: Absolutely. No
3: question <laughs> all right I asked this a lot of uh, filmmakers, uh, especially directors. I love the old Scorsese quote of movies aren't finished they're abandoned you know because you might watch it fifty times and what do I leave in what do I take out as a producer is that something that hits you too the painstaking methods of it or do you just say let me know when it's finished
26: absolutely it, it hits really hard as a producer because At some point, I have to, especially as a creative producer, because I'm attached to the artist uh, by this umbilical cord. We're having this like film baby together and it hurts so much when as a producer you have to cut and say, listen, we just can't afford to spend any longer on processing this. We have to move on.
3: What would be, let's just say, five minutes of this film and you, you're you going to show somebody maybe your elevator pitch to get it distributed in the beginning? What, what five minutes would you show?
26: Well, I think that it all really uh, comes to a head when um, we have our, our lead character, Dovey, who gets out of prison and he's tasked by a fellow inmate who's in for good with uh, the task of going and find finding his estranged daughter. And we reach a point where uh, Dovey really suspects that this girl that he's met is, in fact, not this man's estranged daughter. And without giving too much away, it all comes to a head when those three parties meet again.
3: All right. Last question for you. And this could be in your film career. It could be in your military career. Coolest place in the world you got to go outside of America and biggest dump that you went to outside of America.
26: Oh, coolest place outside of America. Gosh, I mean, there's so many. I really loved my time in China, um, but uh, the biggest dump, uh, my gosh, there there are some places in the Middle East that I certainly (laughs) would not return to uh, again. But that was really more because of circumstance. That's all I'll say.
3: Yes, I can only imagine the circumstances for everyone there. The film is called Breakwater, directed by James Rowe and produced by our guest, movie producer and former Navy SEAL Matt Paul. It's going to be premiering this Saturday at Cinequest Film Festival right uh, down in the South Bay in uh, San Jose. Matt, congratulations on the film and thanks for dropping by.
26: Rick, thanks so much for your time.
3: All right, good stuff. And it was nice to hear that he thinks American Sniper was realistic because one guy told me that that movie was totally fake. I was like, really? So, I mean, it just, there's so many different ways <laughs> that you can skin a cat, right? And, um, but anyway, I like that movie. I've seen it uh, a few times. You probably have too. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just good to know at least one Davy Seal thinks it's real. Sea, uh, air, and Land. Is what it is. And by the way, do you know how much a Navy Seal makes per year? It makes one hundred and six thousand dollars a year. If anybody deserves that money, uh, it would be a a Navy Seal. And it makes me wonder how much a buck private on in the Army at a base. Because I always see these things like fifty thousand dollar college bonus. I'm like, really? Can I get some of that? I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline.
1: 800-725-1651.
2: well, I
26: might as well tell you now. You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find. Because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by blummin
10: cheating!
11: Rick Tittle was selected at random from the phone book to host this show.
3: A couple of minutes left in the show if you want to get into it quickly. 1-800-878-PLAY. Um, <clears throat> I was talking to this guy the other day, and he thinks he knows about soccer, and he's not a Tottenham fan, and he's like, well, Harry Kane's kind of overrated anyway. I said, Harry Kane's overrated? And l- let me just tell you what Harry Kane did last season. He became Tottenham's all time leading scorer. He became England's all time leading scorer. He hit 200 Premier League goals that plateau. He became the second all time scorer in the history of the Premier League. He has the most wrong foot goals in Premier League history. In other words, not your good foot. He has the most away goals in Premier League history. Think about how hard it is with 60,000 people breathing down your neck. He has the most headed goals in Premier League history. He has the most matches scored in in Premier League history. He has the most goals on Boxing Day in Premier League history. And he has the most goals scored on the final day of the season in Premier League history. And by the way, now that he's in the Bundesliga, he's going to get a Christmas break. Because England is the one that mentioned Boxing Day. England is a country where they, uh, yeah, they definitely will uh, play through Boxing Day the day after Christmas. But um, if you just say, look, I hate Tottenham and I'm just not a big fan of uh, Harry Kane, then, uh, you know, go ahead. But it's sort of like, and I've always used the example like, I hate John Elway. But if I say John Elway sucks, then it's like, well, you you don't really watch football, do you? You don't understand football, do you? And I'm like, hey, he sucks. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends like that. My One of my good friends who's maybe watched the Warriors for five minutes says LeBron is all hype. And I'm like, do you watch him? He goes, dude, he's all hype. He's all hype. I go, how much do you watch? Dude, LeBron is all hype. Okay. And then I had another friend. Who I took to a Raider game and Tim Brown dropped a pass and he's like, When are they gonna cut that guy? Like, are you wanna cut Tim Brown? Yeah, he sucks. But I think one of my favorite was when the Raiders first moved back and they were stinking, and it was the first time I heard booing. This guy stood up in front of me. He goes, I need to talk to Al Davis and teach his bitch ass some football. I'm like, You're gonna teach Al Davis's bitch ass some football. Oh, you gotta <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah, Harry Kane's overrated. Ah, oh, those stats are a bunch of garbage. Garbage time stats. Woohoo. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Sorry for saying bitch ass. I just said it again. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 o'clock Pacific time.
8: my brain damage
3: <laughs> great way to end the show